This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, May 11th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. American employment is increasingly subject to government permission in the form of occupational licensing. Many states are making headway, making it easier for the average American to seize opportunity and serve their fellows without a government permission slip. I spoke with Steve Slavinsky of the Pacific Legal Foundation and Stephen Doan, a Republican state representative in Kentucky, about opportunities to cut the red tape that is occupational licensing. We have two Steves here. So just for the purposes of taxonomy uh, for the rest of this discussion, Steve Slavinsky, you're Steve. Stephen Doan, you are Stephen for the purposes of this discussion. So to you, Steve Slavinsky. Um you know, occupational licensing has has become more prominent over the past decade or so. The outgoing Obama administration uh, made reference to licensing reform as a serious issue that that states ought to be taking seriously. That was several years ago. Where do things stand right now? Have we seen big changes in uh, the degree to which states impose licensing requirements on people who just want to work? So not as much as you would like uh, to have happen, uh, certainly, especially since there's a lot of uh, understanding of the issue. Uh, in fact, this is one of those policy areas where we know what the problems are and we actually even know what the solutions are. But getting those solutions across the finish line legislatively actually is quite difficult uh, some of the time. Uh, the goal should be overall, I think, for most states to reduce the burden of the licensing, basically meaning reduce the number of hours that are required uh, to get a license. And frankly, I would say even getting rid of licenses that really have uh, no purpose anymore. They might have served a purpose 40 or 50 years ago, but they no longer do now uh, in a modern workforce. Uh, another problem that we're also seeing is mobility of the workforce. Now, that's not a problem. Mobility of a workforce is actually a very good thing. It's a sign of progress, a sign of technological change. The fact that we can do our jobs from any part of the country uh, for, for a lot of us. But the mobility issue uh, becomes problematic when it inter intersects and collides with licensing in that people actually will often stay put in their home state or county or town, even if the employment prospects are, are dim where they live, because they know if they move across a state line, although they don't lose their expertise in their field, they lose their ability to be licensed in that new state. And a lot of times you'll see uh, people having to go through duplicative processes, paying multiple fees that they've already paid uh, just to get a license in their new state. As a result, the empirical data we've seen on this indicate that the uh, people who have licenses that are not reciprocal, meaning uh, you, you don't get a version of it when you move to a new state, like a driver's license, for instance, is a good example. Occupational licenses don't work that way. And so people who have a license that is not reciprocal with another state typically will stay put. And as a result, it actually harms their employment prospects. So the new frontier, at least in the short term, I think, for what we've seen on licensing reform since the Obama report and since there's been uh, such a great amount of attention to this issue is the idea that states are allowing new workers entering to, if they have a license in good standing from their state of origin, to get a reciprocal license right upon arrival. They can hang out their shingle right when they get to, to, to their new city or state. So, Stephen Doan, you're a state representative uh, representing a part of northern Kentucky. So when you go to Frankfurt, um, how much awareness is there of this issue? It's one that's gotten a lot more attention um, over the years, but not so much as, as we get here in northern Kentucky. You know, we're uniquely 
positioned geographically with Cincinnati to the north. It's a huge economic powerhouse that, that provides a lot of, of jobs for people in northern Kentucky. And one of the things that I encountered as I was campaigning for this office and as I became a state representative was people wanted to be able to open up a business here in northern Kentucky because we are uh, booming. We're, we're one of the boom centers here in, in Kentucky overall. And uh, what they found is they couldn't do that. They had to go through these overly burdensome uh, licensing processes, and it would take months or even years sometimes for people to get licensed. So that boiled to the surface quite quickly uh, for me in northern Kentucky. But when I got down to Frankfurt, I realized that it wasn't necessarily a priority for the rest of the state, which is um, quite rural in some parts and a lot of the rural areas hold some of those power bases. So it's difficult to push those issues to the top. It's interesting because one of the frequent claims I hear about Kentucky in particular, because of course I'm I'm in Kentucky as well, so um, is that a huge fraction of the state's population lives within a few miles of a state border. So you would think that anybody who's engaged in some sort of occupation would want the ability to, well, I'm just going to go do some work over here in Tennessee or Illinois or Missouri or Indiana or uh, Ohio. And it, it, it's, it strikes me as odd that this is not something that is of, uh, of greater interest. But you're advancing a proposal that would effectively give uh, – reciprocity. What, what does that look like in, in practice? Yeah. So, so in practice, the way that the bill is House Bill 343 is what I proposed last legislative session. Uh, the way that that would work is we would essentially streamline that out-of-state licensing requirement uh, here in Kentucky. So you would pay a $100 application fee. Uh, it would go before the board. It's a shall issue if you meet the minimum educational standards, if you're licensed. So two different segments here, if you have a license within the state or you have a license outside the state. Kentucky's quite unique in the sense that we require a lot more licenses or we license a lot more occupations than other states around us do. So one of those uh, particular examples is I believe taxidermy. Uh, we, we require you to have a taxidermy license. I think Indiana and Ohio don't. Um, and somebody from Indiana and Ohio will probably jump in the comments to correct me if I'm wrong. But, uh, but we, we do that here. And so if Kentucky has a license that Ohio doesn't, uh, we would at least require one to three years. Currently, the bill's written at three. I'm going to move that down to one of actual practice in that trade to get you licensed here in Kentucky or and through the process. Uh, so, Steve, what's the I – know, I know you've done a lot of uh, research on uh, the impacts of some of these laws on specific areas, but – you know, with with a state like Kentucky, or you know, frankly, any state that has a lot of states immediately around it, um, how how impactful is the licensing in one state across the border in another state? Like, you know, to 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 the extent that you're trying to be tactical, you're trying to be strategic with uh, licensing. How does a lack of licenses or the prevalence of licenses impact decisions across the state? Well, certainly it can impact the decision whether to move out of your current state or into another state altogether. Uh, it can also be a significant factor in what you've already identified. The fact that you've got so many people living 
uh, kind of in border areas, so close to a border. Uh, and that's a very unique uh, geographic reality for Kentucky. Uh, you can think of other classic examples of a Kansas City. You've got part of it on the Kansas side and part of it on the Missouri side. Missouri actually has uh, recently uh, enacted a law that was a form of universal reciprocity. And I do know lots of people who live in Kansas and work in Missouri. And this is actually a very big deal for them, right? In, in a sense, it basically neutralizes the, the decision of whether you have to live in the same state that you work in. Uh, and in fact, that's a real thing, like you said, on, on border towns. And so uh, it can really uh, absolutely impact the decision. You can also consider people who will run companies that have uh, the need to, uh, say, run trucks across the border or uh, or deliver product one way or another or have clients. Let's say you're a realtor. You have clients in both states, right, if you're on the border. Uh, so again, this is a, a, a real actual uh, improvement in their employment prospects, especially uh, if you're living uh, near a border like that. So Stephen, uh, if I understand uni- universal reciprocity well, uh, I'm not sure that I do, but the uh, idea is that instead of using one licensing board in uh, Kentucky, the Kentucky licensing board for whatever the occupation might be, you're essentially saying, if you're good enough to be licensed in other states, you're good enough to be licensed here if you've practiced for a year. What about occupations where other states don't license it and those people come to Kentucky? Yeah. So the way that the bill's currently written, it's on a, a three-year uh, time frame. So if you were a taxidermist up in, in Ohio and you had practiced that in three for three years, um, you'd be able to provide proof of that to the Kentucky Board of, of I guess it's taxonomy. I would, I would guess maybe not. Um, but uh, you know, you, you'd be able to do that there, and then come in and, and be licensed in Kentucky. So, uh, more broadly, though, uh, economically, Steve, what you know, Ed Glazer has done a bunch of work at Harvard on uh, zoning, which is essentially licensing uh, the uses of your own property. Uh, and he says, hey, we're leaving trillions of dollars of GDP on the table just by having this regime. In terms of people being able to move across borders easily and get to where the opportunities might be, uh, where prices might be too high in some field, and they want to compete, they want to throw uh, throw up their shingle and take advantage of those uh, high prices. What, you know, what are we leaving on the table when we have this these you know, 50 different regimes of licensing for so me- so much of the workforce. Yeah, you've identified what could basically be called a, a deadweight loss. Uh, they, we talk about this in tax policy all the time, but tax rates being too high and it chokes off uh, new productivity, new business uh, ideas, things of that sort. Uh, licensing boards do the same thing and licensing laws do the same thing. And, and in fact, I think what you want to see over time, and I think reciprocity is one of the ways that gets us part of the way there. I don't think it's a panacea and it's not a cure-all, but it's definitely going to solve a lot of short-term problems that we have. One of those problems is that you've often got licensing boards uh, that are, in a sense, competing to keep out people uh, from coming in to a profession. Uh, I think, though, if you're opening up reciprocity, you are effectively opening up uh, competition between states to attract workers. And as a result, it takes the boards out of the question. It's a shall issue uh, uh, default assumption, as Stephen had already mentioned, right? So in a sense, the, the, the boards can't be arbitrary about keeping out new entrepreneurs the way they have been in the past. And so I do think this is going to unlock a new amount of potential uh, new business starts for for cities and, and counties and states that have this kind of law. And I think over time, it's going to put pressure on states 
to think about alternative ways of certifying expertise. Right? We talk a lot about how if you have a license, a good standing with a lot of the reciprocity bills in your current home state, and you show that, you present that, then you get the new license in the new state. But what if, as Stephen already identified, what if you don't have a license from a state that you're living in because they don't currently have that license, right? Um, but yet you know you're moving to a new state that does require that license. And so uh, it's showing that you have an expertise, a certain number of years of expertise. That's what the, the universal reciprocity idea is, is much broader than just simply a a one-for-one -one trade between license A and license B. And so effectively what this is doing is it's creating more competition, I think, for more opportunity uh, between states and not less as the current system does. Uh, Stephen, what do you, when you uh, make pitches for this idea, um, who do you sense or who do you feel or who have you heard from that are the people who are the big beneficiaries of the current regime? We like things just, just the way they are. Thank you very much. So, you know, it, it's all about stories. Uh, really, that's what it, it comes down to. If you want to get anything done, you have to have a story behind it, uh, particularly in Frankfurt, because most people just don't care. Um, and so you start telling the stories of people of how I got here to wanting to, to propose this legislation. Um, business owners in northern Kentucky are fleeing northern Kentucky because they can't hire people. But you can hire people in Ohio. Uh, Ohio passed universal reciprocity uh, last legislative session. And so one of the small business owners, if I look out the window behind me, I can actually see her small business. Um, she's a cosmetologist. And throughout the process, uh, throughout this legislative session, she would send me messages and say, hey, I need an update on the legislation. Is it going to pass? Is it going to pass? Are we going to get that through? Because if not, I'm leaving Kentucky. I'm moving to Ohio where I can hire people, where I can get them licensed in cosmetology. Um, she would have people that just wanted to come in and do nails or eyebrows, and it would take them six months to a year to get licensed through the board because there was no reciprocity. Um, ultimately, my bill didn't pass, but we did pass a, a compact, a cosmetology compact, so there was some help there. But um, you know, when you start to tell those stories, you see other groups start to move in, in your, your way. Uh, one that kind of surprised me was our Northern Kentucky Chamber. Uh, they oftentimes do the bidding of big business and keep other people out so that we can promote those Kentucky businesses. But they started to uh, ease up on the issue and they've, they've come in to support me. I'm still waiting on the full state chamber to come in behind me, but um, I expect that to happen next session. Stephen Doan is a Republican state representative in Kentucky. Steve Slavinsky is an economist and researcher at the Pacific Legal Foundation. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.